Welcome to Thank You Places, a podcast all about navigating the world as a theater artist and performer in the Twin Cities. I am your host, Anna Hashizume. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. Um, Thank you so much for your patience. Um, I thought I would have time on Friday to edit this episode, and I didn't end up having that time. And then I was pretty busy all Saturday, Sunday, and didn't want to just like overload myself, um, which is something I'm really trying to get better at, um, boundaries and um, only taking on what I feel comfortable taking on. So I appreciate all of you being cool with this. It really, um, it really means a lot. So, um, but I am so excited to, um, share my conversation with Max Botanowicz. Um, it, it was great. We talked while they were in process of doing the, um, Songs of a New World production at Artistry as they were rehearsing for it. And I had had the pleasure to speaking with Deidre shortly after. So if you are a Patreon member, you were able to take a listen to that conversation, which was super fun. And then I was able to see the production like last week. And oh my gosh, it was so amazing. Congratulations to the entire cast of that production. It was just so moving and so beautiful and was really just like inspiring to be in the space with everyone. Um, I was able to go on you know, Monday night, like quote unquote industry night. So it was really, really fantastic to be in the audience with um, so many of you, the community, and watch and support these amazing artists on stage. It just really made me, uh, it like really solidified, you know, how special this community is. This is a fantastic community and I'm so happy to be a part of it and I'm so happy to be able to have one-on-one conversations with so many different people within the community and share them with all of you. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Max Watanowitz. Hi Max. Hi Anna, how are you? I'm so good, I'm so excited to be here with you today. I'm excited to be here, how nice. Sometimes I um, go very long periods during the day without talking to people because I um, like work from home. And if I don't have like, if I'm not teaching that day or something, I can go really long periods without talking to people, which I sometimes like, but then I also like to have periods where I talk to people. That's really nice. I feel that. I have felt that deeply over the pandemic for sure. And now that we're coming out of it, just the first couple, I'm sure you've experienced this, the first couple times you talk to people, it's like, how are you? And do we really want to say all of that all at once? And oh my God, that's so much. But um, yeah, at least I had my husband at home to talk to, but we got tired of, (laughs) we got tired of talking to each other after a little bit. So we figured out a language of like, here's when I want to talk to you. And here's when I want to just like, do my own thing. That worked okay. We figured it out. Well, that's good communication, right? It's like being able to like know when we need to talk and when we don't. (laughs) It's the key to a a healthy relationship. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. Well, why don't, um, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, uh, My name is Max Watanowitz. I am a, oh God, Um, (laughs) I'm a performer. I'm a educator and educator. I'm a producer and a playwright. Those are the four things I usually like to say. Um, I grew up in Minnesota. I um, have lived and worked in the Twin Cities for about 15 years. 
um, doing all kinds of things. I'm sure some of which we'll talk about on this podcast. And um, and now I live in New Hope with my husband, and we're coming back to it, and we're talking about it today. Yeah, it's exciting that like theater, you know, I, I'm encouraged as I, I, I've talked about on the podcast, like I'm encouraged by all of these theaters being like, you know, everyone has to be vaccinated. You have to show proof of like a negative test, like all of that stuff. Um, um, it's really encouraging to see because I, we all want to get back to it, but we also want to get back to it safely. Right, right. I'm in rehearsals for a show right now that I think by the time this podcast airs, we'll have just closed. But um you know, we're all masked in rehearsal and we're all figuring out how to be safe for each other. And of course, that's all fine because we want to keep our jobs. But then the final piece of that is, can we squeeze 400 people into the same room, all breathing the same air and all masked, but um, figure out how to honor each other and keep each other safe. That's really, I think that's the big piece of it. I'm really curious to see how it's going to go. Right. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tricky. Um, cause I did like an outdoor show earlier this summer, which you don't really have to worry about that as much, right. um, because it's outdoors. Um, but then I did have a, like an indoor show that did get canceled, um, like later this summer and it was, it was okay. Like the company was great and they paid us all in full, mm-hmm. which was really nice, but it's, yeah, it's, so I haven't really experienced the, like, indoor thing yet yeah you know yeah and Um, it's it's wild because of course uh i'm on the other side of the table this time i'm i'm co-directing this show and so i'm not on stage having to take off my mask and bear my soul and and bear my viral load to everyone you know um (laughs) gross that's so gross i wish i could cut that out um but um but but it's a different thing and so so being able to just keep my mask on as the co-director and just uh do my job doesn't involve having to having to do that piece and of course i'm vaccinated and the whole company just got tested uh this week and so we're all negative so that's good but there is something really um vulnerable about taking it off especially inside especially in a space like a theater that it's just wild i don't Mm -hmm. know i'm Mm -hmm. sure we're gonna figure out how to come back to it and i keep thinking at some point in the future we will all say do you remember when, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I just, I've been, I've been holding on to that feeling and I, I know it will come. And I guess I thought at the beginning of all this, it would come a little sooner than it's coming, but it will come. I know it will. I know it will. I mean, it has to, it has to at some point, right? at some point it will. <laughs> Fauci now says next spring, you know, he's, he's smarter than me about this stuff. So I'll trust him for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly. So, um, but how exciting that, you know, we are able to, you know, get back into, into theaters and get back into doing this, you know, I feel like we've all been really starved of creating with people because, you know, a lot of us have been creating during the pandemic, but it's not been maybe necessarily with people. And if it has been with people, it's not been in the same room with people. (laughs) Right, right. It's all been like in our basements over Zoom, you know, Mm -hmm. with our Mm -hmm. ring lights and all of that. (laughs) that, That's all nice. And, you know, it's not to it's not to downplay any of that. A lot of us, a lot of people made really incredible stuff. I don't know how you felt right at the beginning of the pandemic. I sort of thought, oh, I got to be creating something. I got to move all my work online. And some of that I could do and some I just 
I don't know. I, 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 I think we all just kind of went through it, especially in those first couple of months when it was pretty clear that like, oh, this isn't a two week thing or like a month long. No, this is going to be, oh boy, here we, let's, let's, let's all just hold on to ourselves and, and pray for safety, you know? Um, Definitely. Yeah. I feel like we're still all like processing it. Like I know Absolutely. I am like, I think back to like this time last year and like, it's kind of surreal still. And it's like a blur. And it's like, I, I don't know what I was doing or how I got through it. And it's just like, it is, it's kind of crazy to like, think that was just a year ago. And I think we're all still kind of in that because we're, we're so excited that things are back, that things are kind of opening up slowly. And you're, you know, hopefully spending time with people who are vaccinated and like, you know, in, in a nice, like safe group of people and things like that. But yeah, it's like, I, I don't think any of us have really processed what has happened no. in the last like year and a half. <laughs> and anyone who just steps right back into it, uh, like nothing happened. I mean, I just, I don't know that we can do that. I think we all just have to acknowledge that we've all been through like a global trauma and that has affected everybody in really different ways and and acknowledge the ways that it, it um, spared us, you know, mm-hmm. whether that's because I didn't have to go in and be a frontline worker, or I didn't have to, you know, because, um, you know, my husband has a job that didn't go anywhere, which allowed our household to keep going, even though I couldn't really be working outside the home and, you know, various things like that. It's just, we all have to, you know, come out the other side of this and I don't know, write our personal memoirs or something. Just remember how we did all of this. You know, I don't know. I know exactly. And it it is interesting to kind of see how, like, I, I talked about this on my Patreon, um, uh, like bonus episode for like last month. And, um, I'm realizing like how, I don't really like it's, it feels like auditioning should be like getting back on a bike and like, just like riding. And in some ways it is, but there are certain things that I like underestimate. Like I underestimate how much time I actually like need to prepare for things. And like, I feel very like flustered when going into certain things because it's like, I, I haven't done this in a really long time. And in my mind, I'm like, sure, it's like just getting back on a bike. Like it's going to be easy enough, all this stuff. But there are certain things that because I haven't done it in a while, like I'm just out of practice. And it's like, I need to get back into practice. Yes. But it's also like, I can acknowledge that like, that's okay. It's like, okay for me to be a little out of practice because I know I'm not the only one who feels that way (laughs) (laughs) because all of us are out of practice. Oh, we haven't been able to do this. You know, um, when we were auditioning for the show that I'm directing right now, uh, uh, one of our creative team members before the first group of callback folks came in, um, before they came in, she said, just keep in mind that everyone we see is a different person than they were 18 months ago. And that has stuck with me. I just like Maureen Sherman Mendez, if you're listening to this, thank you again. I know I've told you in person, thank you, but really, um, that just really struck me. I mean, and everyone that came in, I really looked at with kind of different eyes. You know, I I knew some of those folks and um, that came in and I had experiences with them in the past or relationships with them in the past and all of that just kind of got turned on its head for better or worse it was really 
fascinating. And I think we all have to figure out how to treat each other with a little grace, even in audition rooms, right? I mean, mm -hmm. yes, I'm coming in and showing you I'm competent and that I'm capable and that I'm um, appropriate for this job, whatever it might be. But also I, I like you just went through <laughs> a really trying experience and we all bring to the rehearsal room all of that, you know, mm -hmm. we have to, I, I, my experiences so far auditioning, although they haven't been largely not in person yet, um, have been positive because, <laughs> because I'm just, you know, performing to my little laptop camera with my ring light rather than a group of people that, uh, that is staring back at me. So once that starts, I'll give you an update. Right. And and it is, it is different. Like I, I have been able to go in for a few like in-person auditions and then I have submitted a few things and it's wild how different those things feel. Like sometimes I prefer the, the, like I'm doing it to my phone. There's a ring light and I'm just like playing and it's, it's easy. Like there's no like kind of pressure. There are no eyes on me, things like that. But then there are other times where it's like, I wish there were like, I wish there was a human connection and I could see these people and read the room and like feel out what's going on, but I don't have that luxury. So no, no, I wish know, there was. Yeah, yeah, I I, I wish there was uh, more to this audition than just can I act or can I sing? And also, like, the thing that I know about auditions is real, which is, do you want to spend time with me? Am I am I the kind of, you know, can I come in and charm you? And and can our energy like can the energy in the room feel different when I come in so that and and if you respond to that and say, I want that energy in the room over Zoom, you just can't do that. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And especially when you're just doing a self tape, like right. that's when you're like, I have no idea. You know, I, I had a callback for something recently, maybe by the time this comes out, I'll know whether I got the role or not, but I had a callback for something in a different state, like oh. for a company I've never worked for. And the only communication I've had with them is like over email, like where they were like, submit for this. And I was like, okay, great. And I kind of just like on a whim did it. And then they were like, we want to call you back for this. And it's like, I have no idea what this company, like they're a reputable company. Yes. But like, I don't know who's directing it. I've never, I don't know any of the, the artistic staff. So it just, it feels, and like in a way, this like new virtual literally virtual reality <laughs> that we're living in, like allows for, you know, I always thought like, I never want to buy a house because maybe I want to move somewhere else. And like, but it's like this, this new reality we live in has like opened us up to these online auditions that were, you know, it, and like, that is so great. <clears throat> but at the same time, it doesn't replace knowing who you're in a room with and like feeling oh, that absolutely. energy and like, realizing, you know, again, are these people I want to work with? Because now you've seen me and like kind of how I am in a space, but I don't know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, don't know that, what you're like. <laughs> that essential piece of it is just sort of gone with all this. If there's any silver lining to this auditioning online piece for me, it's that, um, you know, I can make like a high quality and by high quality, I mean, like the filming of it is a high quality, whether my acting is high quality is up <laughs> for debate. But, you know, I, I can have a, a nice recording of a monologue or a song or something and 
know that I have that kind of for always. So when I can go back in person and and deliver that monologue or that song, I can just go back to this reference material that I now have that's like unlisted on YouTube that I have access to and can just pull right back from instead of having to like, you know, rely on my memory or rely on, um, did I ever learn this monologue? No, I definitely didn't. Here's proof. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, like that kind of unreliable memory, like the number of times I've been like, wait, I've read this play or like, wait, yeah. I've done this monologue, like where you're just like confused about it. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's how I, I've done that before. <laughs> or worse yet, like I, 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 I finally figured out to do this, like, I don't know, five years ago only or something, but I started writing down on the monologue in my Google Docs, like, when did I do this monologue so that and for I'm, whom? Not bringing, so I'm not bringing <laughs> the same monologue to you again that I did last year. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to keep track of where I send these or where I, you know, where I present these pieces so that <laughs> they don't see me do the same thing every time. Cause that gets I boring. know I, um, I have had that fear before, especially yeah. because I've used some of like, I, I don't really do a lot of Shakespeare. So I like have used the same Shakespeare monologue for a very long time. Sure. <laughs> and I have to start thinking about like, Oh my God, I've done this for like every place that has now asked me for a Shakespeare monologue. I better find another one. To yeah. Use. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> God. The, the struggle, the struggle. The struggle is real. So, so you grew up in Minnesota. Yeah. Did you, did you, you know, when did you kind of know that performing was something you wanted to do? Oh boy. Um, well, I, uh, knowing I wanted to do it and knowing why I wanted to do it as a career were two different moments, I think, mm -hmm. right? Okay. I, mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a very small town, 600 people. I grew up on a potato farm. Um, and I am not somebody who knew a bunch of people or even knew anyone who was in the theater for a living, unless you counted like the lady who ran our community theater, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that was in an administrative capacity, of course. Um, so I grew up doing theater and I grew up really liking it. And, um, and I also had parents who were like a wonderful balance of sort of supportive and also really pragmatic and realistic and would sort of say things to me like, okay, but can you make a living out of that? Okay, but can you, you know, and so I went to college and I was going to be uh, an English teacher because mm. I knew a bunch of teachers and I knew you could make a living at that um, and thought, oh, yeah, that's a that's a job that that makes sense. And so, um, so so my parents dropped me off at college and I literally remember, Anna, they drove away and I looked around and thought, oh, my God, I get one chance at this. Oh my God, I better do what I have. To, I better do what I want to do. And in that moment, I was like, I don't think teaching is it. I don't think that's what I want to do, but is it? So then, so then I went to, and I was going to be a, a double major in English education and um, vocal performance. So it's going to be a music major too. And I went to St. Olaf College. So that's where music majors go, I guess, whatever. Um, sure. Good job. Go St. Olaf. And, uh, <laughs> and I walked into the, to the, my first meeting with the chair of the music department and I got the worst feeling and the worst pit in my stomach from him. Cause he was just, just not, we just did not bond. He was one and of I, those music people. He's one we of those, all know music people. those music people. Yes. In fact, what the, what the conversation really was, was 
I had been told by my voice teacher at home that when I went to St. Olaf, I should get with one of, try and get into the voice studio of this specific music teacher, this specific voice teacher. There were two of them there at the time that um, really focused on sort of musical theater and kind of where I thought I wanted to go. So I get into this meeting with this head of this department and I say, yeah, my voice teacher at home, you know, I, I know, I don't know how this works and how you choose how you pair students with voice teachers, but this is really what I'm interested in singing. So my voice teacher at home told me to try and get into the studio of either of these two people. And the look that this guy gave me, like I was an inch tall, and I know this is a podcast, so you can't see my face, but just read my voice when you hear what he said. He just said, they're really busy. It was so rude. And like, I'm an 18 year old kid, I don't know. But you could have handled, you could have said that in a way that just wasn't so demeaning and so demoralizing. So I, I got paired with someone who, whatever, fine. It, it wasn't one of those people and that was okay. But I walked out of there and I thought, ugh, what is this? This world is not where I want to be. And literally I, I moved in on Saturday and on Monday morning, I changed my major to theater and I never looked back because, because that's what I really realized. I thought I, I don't want to do this. And what I actually mm -hmm. came here to do is theater. Um, and so that was sort of the moment that I thought I want to, I want to try and study theater and see, um, I felt good at theater. You know, I felt good on stage. I felt like I let, you know, I, staged plays in my basement as a kid and made my friends be in them kind of thing, you know. Um, but I just never knew it could be a career. So it always felt like it was going to be a hobby, which you don't study your hobby, I mm. thought, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I got to college and uh, I got into some theater classes and thought, oh, like, this could maybe be a thing. And then before I knew it, I graduated. And then, um, you know, it was sort of always that feeling of, I don't know if you got told this in college, but I had professors say, you know, if you can do anything else, do theater, which I think is on one hand, really gross and sort of toxic, right? Like, but on the other hand, it's just them being pragmatic. And that's just them understanding, you know, the world that you're going into is difficult and you're going to hear a lot of no, and you're going to get a lot of pushback and you're going to have to work really hard. And that isn't for everybody. And I just think there's a better way to say that. It because there totally is. I just think when you're young and you're like so full of like hope and possibility and you're you're still figuring out what you want to do with your life to hear that like like I wonder where my life would be not not that I have any regrets or any like I'm very happy with where my life is right now Same. but like I wonder what other things I could have seen as possible had I not heard people talking about it. Cause like, for me, there was no other option for me. There was no option, but to do theater and music and performing in some way. Like I have like a pull to it. Like, again, there's no other option in my life, but I felt so like when I started getting into fashion, I felt like people looked down on me because mm -hmm. I had another interest. And it's oh. like, why can't I have both interests? Like costume design is a thing, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of like this cons and, and like, I wonder, you know, how, how fully formed, like 
my sense of fashion would be if I would have that as something like on the side along with theater. Like, I wonder what could have happened had I not kind of been told this, like, if you can do anything, like the kind of almost bullied into only wanting to do theater, you right. know, when in actuality and like in my life, like, it is not just theater. I'm an educator. I have, you know, I have this other hobby that I really love that I probably could have cultivated more as like a younger person. Like there, I have so many other things in my life that I love and enjoy. That doesn't mean that theater is any less of like my passion. Anyway, yeah. sorry, that was a long tangent. No, but. <laughs> that's real. And I, I know that what that professor was trying to say to me was, and try to say to all of us was, if this does not like feed you the way right. it should, then spare yourself the misery of, you know, going to auditions and being rejected and all of that stuff that's hard um, <laughs> and do something that you do love. I wish that I had heard it in that context. Yes, but of course, exactly. You know, but, but to your point, I think we, you know, I went to a liberal arts college, so thank goodness I learned about a lot of different things. And I remember your episode with Dan Peering. Hi, darling, Dan Peering, love you, <laughs> um, where you talked about specifically um you know you, theater artists should know about a, a lot of different things and that was another thing like there's all these little nuggets of wisdom that you carry from professors for good or bad right um and one thing one of them said to me was theater isn't about theater it's about everything else and if you don't know about anything else you're not going to be a very strong theater artist and that's the truth and that's why i always thought i'm really glad i'm taking all these classes in different fields and 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 um, building my interest in other subjects so that I can walk into a rehearsal room and have a point of view and have an understanding of history or science or um, you know religion or politics or whatever at least have a point of view however educated it might be or however thorough it might be but at least to know enough that yeah not only can I you know have a point of view in the rehearsal but then on a ten minute break we can like chat about something or over a beer, we can talk about, you know, something besides what's going on in the rehearsal room, right? That's right. super important. Yeah. Right. And that was like something I, I started realizing the more and more I did like opera auditions, um, the more I started realizing, like, I was like, wow, no one can talk about anything else. This is all we talk about is yeah. what, what companies you've worked for, what operas. And like that, that is not, you know, not all opera singers are like that. Like, sure you know, but I was finding myself in spaces and this is like, you know, something that I think is really empowering as an artist, but I was like finding myself in spaces where that was the only thing people could talk about was like, you know, and, and I realized in those moments, like these aren't the opera companies I want to work for. You know what I mean? It's like, I I'll never forget. I had Tom Reed on the podcast, but I don't think he said this on the podcast, but we talked about it um, in real life. Um, <laughs> um, he like one time said like an audition is not just about like them wanting you. It's also about if you want to work for them. And yes. I think the moment we can look at auditions and like auditioning and, um, uh, working as artists in that way, the, the more like power we end up having, like, we just get in this cycle of like, I, as an actor have to get any job that comes yeah. my way. And right. like, that will turn you into a miserable human and a miserable performer. And yeah. the more we can kind of be empowered of like, 
I don't want to work for this company. I don't care how much they pay me. I don't care. Like, I just, I don't, I don't want to work there. And like, I think we can really be empowered and then we'll be so much happier as artists. Like, I know it's a balance. And like, I know this might sound like privileged because I know it's a balance of like, we all need to pay bills too. Like, I do get that. But like, I think, I think we'll be happier as overall humans if we start being also a little bit picky. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think anyone coming right out of, you know, out of school, whether whatever training they got, whether it's high school or college or community college or whatever, stepping into a professional world uh, or trying to, you know, start auditioning and things, you know, it always feels to me like the answer is, well, at first you got to kind of pay your dues. You got to make your whatever and pay your dues. First of all, is also problematic, but I think the 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 nugget of that I just that hate I that term. To, I hate I, that phrase. Agreed. No, it's like it's I again, gross. I understand what is being said, but can we not say it like that? Girl, let's banish pay your dues. Let's banish <laughs> um, you know, suffer for if your you art. can do anything let's else. Yeah. The show must go on, all of that. No, bye. It's no done. more. But no more. I do think, but I do think the nugget of that that has to stay is you have to cultivate relationships, right? Yes. I, you can't expect to come in and nobody knows you and they're all every time because of your immense talent they're going to take a chance on you it wasn't until i got behind the table to watch auditions that way that i realized why it was that i wasn't you know breaking into some theaters because of course they had 10 of me that they'd worked with plenty of times before and so why should they start over on a new relationship with someone like me right Uh, i might be perfect for the part and it doesn't make any difference so and it's not that it doesn't make any difference it's just that like relationships come first and i wish i could go back 15 years and just tell myself that you know i don't it's not that i feel like i didn't cultivate those but if i had known that should really be the focus rather than impress everyone with your talent and make sure everyone knows you're great to be around you know it's less about that and it's more about you know can can you stand being with the person for three, four, six months at a time? You know, right. uh, I always think that about auditions. I think it really comes down to like ten percent talent and ninety percent. Do I want you in the room? Yeah, that, and it's and that's I think conservative estimate, right? Um, truly, I don't know. Because, have you ever seen? Oh, sorry. I was on, just please. gonna. I was just gonna say because once you get to a certain level, everyone is talented. Hello. <laughs> Hello, exactly. Yeah. Have you seen the documentary Every Little Step? No. It's about, okay, look it up. Everyone who's listening, go watch it. It's really fantastic. It's about, um, so they they made a documentary out of the casting process for the 2006 revival of A Chorus Line on Broadway. And it's fascinating because, of course, some of the people um, casting this were like around for the original, right? Like Bob Abe is there by York Lee, all these people. And you literally see like 3000 people showing up for this initial callback uh, for this initial audition and they winnow it down, winnow it down. And they're literally in the final callbacks. You are watching two different people come in for Sheila and you're like rooting for which one's going to get it, you know? So it's really wild. And, and the person leaves the room and it's kind of every actor's dream because you watch the actor leave the room and then the camera turns onto the table of people saying, wow, they're really good, or I don't know, can they do this? And it's it's sort of your nightmare in a way. But 
um, it's fascinating and it really gives you sort of this behind the scenes look at what happens behind the table. And one of my favorite parts from that that I share with my students really often is that this one guy comes in and he, they're interviewing him after his callback. And he says, you know, my theory about this is I'm going in to this audition and I'm throwing a party. And if you wanna come, you're invited. And if you wanna come, awesome. And if you don't wanna come, I still get to have a party, you know? And I love that because I often leave auditions and sort of, oh my God, oh, you know, you just sort of collapse. And then all you can think about and is whether or not it went well, whether or not you got it, you know, all of that stuff. But he just, that just totally turned me around on what, first of all, how I walk into a room and what kind of energy I bring in there. And then, you know, if I leave here and you don't want me, that's okay. I still love myself, you know? At the end of the day, I still have to be enough. I can't, you know, and and that's the, that's the secret. I've known too many people, too many close friends of mine who left the industry because they just, it was just too much to constantly be rejected and constantly hear no and constantly hear, and you never get really the reasons why you know, and 99% of the time, you will never know why. You can make all the guesses in the world, but you will never know why you were not chosen. And you have to be enough. I mean, that's really, that's much easier said than done. It's a constant practice, trust. It's a practice, but I, I do think, you know, something that Bradley Bean said when I had him on was like- Listen to that one too, love him. <laughs> Love all your guests. There was, yeah, he's fantastic. But, you know, he, he talked a lot. I, I asked him a lot of questions about, you know, being an, a, like an audition accompanist and like, you know, I love getting those insights and I know how much, you know, performers who listen to the podcast, like, like those insights as well. And, you know, it's selfish. Like I want to know those insights too. <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, you know, something he talked about was like, when you come into an audition, like look at it as like, you're getting to perform one of your favorite songs with some with a collaborator. He's like, that's how I view it when I'm like behind the the behind the keys is like like we're just collaborate. You're you're able to sing a song and share a song and have fun with a live accompanist. Yeah. For this moment and like just enjoy that and walk in and be like. I am showing you, I'm telling you this amazing story that I love so much and, and being able to share that with the people that are in that room. It's like that, like you should look at it like that rather than, you know, oh my gosh, do they like me? Because yeah. again, you're right. Like I think performers, we have to be enough. And this is another reason why it's nice to have hobbies and other yeah. interests outside of theater. Because yeah. if you don't, and if everything in your life revolves, like I've seen that in, you know, it, again, with opera singers, um, just because that's, you know, a lot of my background is like, you know, we get so caught up in like just this little thing. And if you don't have anything else, like when you don't get that thing, you're, you're crushed, you've fallen apart. Like there's nothing else to, to, there's nothing else to live for. Yeah, well, kind auditioning, of, you know? yeah, auditioning is a really isolating experience, right? Because you walk in there and you're the only one who really has your specific, no one's coming with you, right? And everyone kind of is watching you and and judging you. I guess judging is not really the word, but they're they're analyzing whether or not you're right. But I always think like, I'm not here at this audition to like beg you for, a job. I'm here to solve a problem for you. 
You are looking for, right? And I have I have a couple friends in casting. A close friend of mine is a casting director. And she would always say, I am looking for you to come in and solve my problem. I, I have all these slots to fill and I want you to be the solution, right? And then it's suddenly not this imposition that I'm here, you know, taking up your time to like, you know, prove that I can whatever. It's not any of that. It's I'm here to say, hi, I'm a good candidate for what you need. Let me help you. And mm. I think artists don't hear that enough, especially actors don't hear that enough. And singers, when they go in for auditions, they don't, we don't think of ourselves as a solution to the problem. We think of ourselves as the problem, right? That there's too many of us or that, you know, um, that we might not be exactly what you're looking for, but we can make it work. And if you just give me a chance, right? And those things might all be true. And also, I am a commodity. I am a wonderful part. I am a wonderful addition to a rehearsal room. I am a wonderful addition to your company. Whatever I'm auditioning for will be enhanced because I show up and I bring baked goods and I show up <laughs> on time and I come with a smile on my face and I'm ready to play. You know, all of those things that you don't quite get from an audition necessarily. Um, right. And that yeah. goes, you know, into another thing of like, the connections make a difference, right? Like, yeah. like no one would know that, you know, Max brings baked goods and Max comes on time until you start working. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that company you work for realizes Max brings baked but, goods hey, and Max I comes you. on You're time. The guy who, yeah. ah, right, and then, right. you know, you audition for another company. They see that director, they call that director up and they, you know, that director says, well, let me tell you, Max let brings Let me tell you about goods. Max's cookies. He's got them. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I you know so. what I mean? And then it's, <laughs> and then it just, it, it like, again, like it sounds really, um, uh, final, but like Jenny Hauser, I had on, um, uh, who, who's a really fantastic opera singer. And she talks about that too, kind of like your reputation follows you and Absolutely. like, you want it to be a good reputation. And that doesn't mean that people can make, you know, people make mistakes and, you know, sometimes, you know, there's a big traffic jam and, you know, you have to tell the stage manager, Hey, like, I'm in stop traffic. Like I'm going to be late. Like that, that happens like that's life. But like, I, I also think another thing that I feel like goes kind of like over our heads as, as artists for, you know, maybe the first five, six, seven years of our career is like the importance of communication. Absolutely. No one talks about this in school. I actually had a conversation with my friend, Michelle DeHoya, who I've also had on the podcast about this recently of like, I think I told her, I was like, I think I get work because I answer my emails. Hello. I don't think I'm any more talented than, you know, Betty and Bob down the street, but, I'm but I will respond to my, but I will respond to my email right. and I'm just right. as talented as Betty and Bob and they're not responding to their emails. So guess right. who gets the, guess who gets the job? And who knows why they're not <laughs> responding, right? Maybe right, their right. internet is bad or maybe they're working a 16 hour a day job and they just don't have the energy. I don't know. Right. But, no yeah, judgment. Ultimately. But I'm just saying like the the act of communicating with people cannot be um, uh, underestimated. Yeah. In this and, in this career. And, and this is going to. OK, here we go. And <laughs> knowing that communication also like that exact thing uh, also applies to social media, that who yes. you curate yourself to be on your platforms is also a reflection of you that's all i'll say about <laughs> no i you do you know what i mean i mean 
I mean, um, I, I know that people, you know, use social media for all different kinds of ways. And sometimes you just get frustrated or sometimes you post some rant or you do X, Y, or Z, whatever. But anything you put out there is there for people to see. And it might not be the person you think is seeing it or that you hope will see it or that you, you know, all of those things. I That absolutely goes along with it. So the communication of who you are as a person gets put out there that way. That's just something I think about a lot. You know, there are close friends. Um, there's that close friends filter on your stories. And I yes. think that's there for for a reason. It's there for a reason. <laughs> or you know what else is? The little um, trash symbol, just like maybe just, you know what? I put this, maybe I'll just, never mind. delete, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. Anyone who's out there listening, he's like, he's talking about me. <laughs> no, I'm absolutely not. I've just, I've been burned before by that because something I've put out there, you know, we've all had that experience where I put something out there on social media and I think it's a really hot take and then I get taken down. And, um, and, and that's because, you know, or, or for, you know, uh, that, that you start ranting about some theater or some person or some, um idea and just know that social media is out there to it can enhance your brand it can you know if we don't think that we as performers are a brand that we can that we are the marketing director of we're fooling ourselves right like mm -hmm. you know i i want my social media presence to be a reflection of who i actually am especially in a professional setting Mm -hmm. end of end of story and that's something i wish i had heard in college although when i was in college there was like facebook was just sort of starting at harvard so like it wasn't I know. quite a thing yet you know i think about that too like it's so it's so different now um because and i, are I hope... up always having had it right yeah. right it's, it's crazy to think about how yeah like there are people who are performing now who are like I grew up with Instagram. Like that's nuts I, to me. Yeah. From when they got their first phone at eight or whatever. Like what? What? Oh my goodness. I know. It's insane. Wow. And if, I, um, if YouTube had been around when I was a kid, I cannot tell you what would be on there. I am I would be very embarrassed. And thank God it wasn't. Thank same. God. Yeah, same, same here. And honestly, like, thank God there were, you know, I, I, I am actually very grateful that I, I did not grow up in a social media. Like, I mean, Facebook came around when I was in, in high school and there are things that I'm like, I should just take this down. Like, it's like fa yeah. I, my Facebook has been around too long. Sometimes mm -hmm. I think I just need to like delete it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, but, I've gone back and like, you know, you get that memories on this day, whatever. There's been times where I'm looking through that and I think, oh my God. And I just, you know, some things I'll just delete because I think I'm just embarrassed by that. Like no one, no one needs a record of me having said that. That's I know posting that picture of what am I doing? Like that looks terrible. Well, because and and it's like, you know, it's not necessarily fair because like back then we weren't thinking of that social media would be used like as like a, a searching tool. Like I know, you know, it's like I know, and again, like when when we came like speaking of social media, like when we came out of the pandemic, I was like thinking as we, I guess, as we started coming out like this summer, I was kind of thinking, oh my gosh, people are gonna not know who, the people aren't gonna remember me. Like yeah. I was like, I felt like I was just starting to get traction in sure. this in, in this community. And I was like, no one's gonna remember me. Um, but I think partly because I'm fairly active on social media, 
people did remember me. Like there was yeah. like, there was this kind of, like, I didn't just kind of like disappear because I wasn't uh, auditioning, you know, mm -hmm. or because there weren't any auditions to be had. Like, right. I don't think, like, I think part of that and, and I used to, again, with the fashion thing, right. We can go back to that. Like I used to think like, cause most of my Instagram is like pictures of like my clothes and yep. like what I wear. And I used to think, oh gosh, like, is that like the brand that I want to put out in the world and like things like that. But it's, it's like the blue hair thing. Like people remember me because I'm not just posting pictures of the shows that I was in. And like, again, nothing wrong with, with that, sure. but it, like you, that, if that's like your thing, like have that be your thing. But like, I'm realizing more and more that like, because I have blue hair and because I post pictures of my clothes, like people like that's a hook for people, yeah, people to like know remember. You as that. Right. Exactly. And like, and, and I think that's like, I, I, I talk to, you know, I, I work with high schoolers and I, I have had people say like, oh my gosh, I don't, you know, I always wanted to dye my hair blue, but like, oh, you know, the theater, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm a working actor and I have blue hair. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I, I'm a done. working actor and I have tattoos. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't feel like you can't. And, and, you know, when I first started kind of experimenting with my hair and dyeing my hair, like I was also kind of worried, but a mentor of mine said to me, she was like, you walk into a room and people will remember who you are. Yeah. And she's like, and you're talented. <laughs> like, she yeah. was like, they'll remember your look and sure. they'll remember, you know, it's like those two things together create you know, a, a kind of a brand. And this was yeah. years ago. And I'll kind of that that has stuck with me because yeah, every time my, a friend of mine says to me like, Oh, I want to dye my hair. I'm not sure. I'm like, you can do it. Yeah. Like, feel free to be yourself. <laughs> there are wigs. You know? There are wigs. Like, right. I mean, people make it work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think, like I say, social media can sort of be used for better or for worse or for people who don't have it at all then you come into the room and you're a total mystery. That's great. And people don't know who you are and that's good too. You know, um, I think coming out of the pandemic, everybody's just gotta, I mean, this occurred beforehand too, but I think especially coming out of the pandemic, we all just have to sort of reckon with what our relationship to that is and what we really use it for. You know, mm -hmm. I find Twitter, I just end up like doom scrolling and uh, that's, that just took up, especially around the, oh boy, especially around the election, that just took up so much <gasps> of my time. Luckily, I know better than to like get into wars with people or, um, you know, go through the comments or whatever. But um, but we all have to take a healthy break and put the screens down. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just say to myself, put down your phone and go outside. Yeah. Just go outside for five minutes. This will all seem much easier if you just go outside, <laughs> even if it's cold out. Don't care. Right. I I have a little. We have a little balcony on mm -hmm. our. Um. Um. It's actually it's actually quite large. It's like one of those like porch. Like my partner is always like I I call it a balcony, and he's like, well, balcony implies that it's like a small little like thing, and and I was like, well, we live on the second floor. Those are, there are big balconies. I know it. Uh, we we've had this argument. He's like, it's a porch, and I'm like, it's it's no, a balcony because we're like first on, level, right? That's what I said. I said <laughs> tell your partner I said a a porch is on the first level. A balcony is suspended in the. That's air. what I'm saying. So yeah. we have a balcony, okay. and 
sometimes like, yeah, again, with like my phone thing, like, it's kind of like one of those, like, I'm always like, I always have it. I'm always carrying it around, blah, blah, blah. Um, but sometimes I know I need to like, put it down. I tell myself, I'm like, I'm going to put it down and I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to like sit and read for a little bit. And even if I'm not like actively reading, just like being outside and like not having that like thing that I need to like grab and look at is nice. And it's like, that is an important thing that I feel like we all need to do sometimes is like, not look at the phone. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And yeah, I, over the pandemic, I actually ended up putting like the alarm on your phone where you've spent this much time on this app today Uh and then it just shuts down and you have to consciously say, ignore this so that I can keep being on Facebook or whatever. And, um, I try to have grace with myself on that, but for the most part, I try and abide by that just because I think, yeah, if I've spent X amount of minutes on this app today, like that's enough of my day to be doing something like that. You know what I mean? And that's right. just a person, you know, everybody's got to figure out what that is for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I love, I love that you've, that you kind of have found that for yourself because it is true. It's like, we all need to find ways of like dealing with these very real things in our lives that yes, are like helpful. Like we can look at social media as like a thing that helps with our career. Like we should make sure that like, we shouldn't make sure. But if if you're a person who wants to be active on social media, you might want to, you know, be active on social media and like those things. But it's like, we can't make those excuses just like over and over and be like, well, that's why I can spend seven hours on it. It's like, no one should be spending seven hours. on no, so, yeah, Even if you're no an influencer, should. I don't think you should be spending that much time. <laughs> don't get me started on influencers. Although I think we are all are, influ- you know, I, we joke about the term influencer, but honestly, like, what am I except an influencer and my brand is myself, right? I'm trying to sell myself as a person who is, you know, even, even not professionally, right? Even just personally. Mm. What do you post things for? What do you post a picture of, you know, the thing, the beautiful thing you baked or the walk you're on or the book you're reading or whatever you're curating your life for other people. So Mm -hmm. that's what you're trying to do is just say, look at what my life is. I don't know. We're all content creators. We're all content creators. (laughs) And sometimes our content is boring and uh, (laughs) rather dull, Uh, but you know, it is what it is. Someone's going to think it's interesting. I don't know. Welcome welcome to my entire 20s. Oh my God. I'm like, someone must think it's interesting. You know, I have X amount of followers, right? Like they must enjoy my cut. Please, if you don't like what I post, please unfollow me. Like, I don't want to be that person in your life. (laughs) Someone I know is a TikTok, is on TikTok and is an influencer and has like 40,000 followers or something. And I she posts like you know what i am i don't think that looks like what you're doing I, you know I, what am i trying to say what what she's posting just is like what she's wearing today and i'm amazed that people just respond that way that's fascinating to me it's and i'm never going to yuck someone's yum you know do what you do and i know there's a lot of people out there who want to see a very curated um thing you know and to your point like you could watch uh, what skincare videos for hours, right? Oh, like love that. Yes. <laughs> and so, yes. And that's amazing. And, and God, the things I could do for hours, you know, I think they're nerdy, but like fun, you know, whatever. Uh, I, again, don't yuck my yum and I won't yuck your yum. That's well, what I'm I mean, what, what we could talk about now, like, you know, speaking of, you know, being an influencer and like things like that, like 
you make those like little musical spotlight things on mm-hmm. Instagram. Are they reels? I don't know. I'm still They're, new to all this stuff. They are. I, yeah, I, I <clears throat> post them to all the socials and then I just have a YouTube channel that they're on too, where they just all are kind of in a list. I don't know. I, you know, I, someone told me to put them on TikTok and I thought oh, they're already on like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Like how many places do they need to be? And, and there's an audience for them somewhere. So sure. Yes. Uh, yes. They are little, uh, it's musical theater in a minute. There are little videos sponsored by Hennepin theater trust and spotlight education where I talk about, um, um, luminaries in the musical theater, uh, throughout musical theater history. So I just talked for a minute about like Cheetah Rivera or Jerry Herman or Andre DeShields or um, Jennifer Holiday or whatever, and just kind of give a little background. And so people, so it's, it's especially the audience is hopefully students and young people, but um, you know, so that people just get a little more interested in where musical theater comes from. That's my, that's that gig. I I love that because okay. when I was in high school, I like um, those PBS, like this is Broadway, yes. like that. Who are they narrated by? Um, Julie Andrews, right? Yes. She does one also, of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrews, Andrews. <laughs> I knew who you were talking about. <laughs> you knew. <laughs> There's only one Julie and Andrews. Yeah, yes. Andrews. Um, yeah. But they were also by 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 the guy who has like a really raspy voice. What is his name? I can picture Gilbert what he Godfrey. looks. I don't know. No, <laughs> what Godfrey. is his guy name there? Uh, this is gonna bother me. Um, Harvey Farstein. Yes. 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 Raspy voice. I should have. Duh. I know, oh. and it's like I. It's like raspy voice, and I can picture him, but I always want to say Harvey Weinstein, and I'm like, that's oh, not no, him. Not it is not him. Not the not same, the same nope. person. <laughs> um but yeah like he also narrates some of them and they like go from like vaudeville to like what you know wicked i think that was like when you know Mm -hmm. they kind of came out but came out yeah but like that was like that was like my my childhood was like watching those videos i had like a little cd of like the the song like some highlighted songs like i you know i'll never forget it was like i got this cd for christmas and i listened to the shit out of this cd and like it was like you know there's no business like show business like old man river was on that um um something from like the apple tree was on it um defying gravity like it was just it kind of like took you through like some like hits from different uh one from um a chorus chorus line line, you know like so it was just these kind of like hits from all of these different broadway eras and this pbs documentary and it's like i had that like my my dad like taped it onto like a tape that I would just watch. And it's like, it's so cool that like, you're finding a way to do what that PBS documentary did, but for kids now, yeah, you know what I mean? Like if I were a kid now, it's like watching those, that would be, you know, but because there was no social media when I was a kid, it was the PBS documentary, you know, and I (laughs) loved that. And just in little one minute snippets, right? Like and you're scrolling through and you just watch this thing and it's not gonna, you know, go be a super deep dive necessarily. But, but when I talked to Spotlight about putting something like that together for them, you know, we had been talking for a long time about, um, I, I, in my, in, in, in the last couple of years, I'm sort of fashioning myself into this like musical theater historian and dramaturg because I love that kind of stuff. And it just turns my crank. So then 
I've heard you talk about this on the podcast before too, about like turning your hobby into a job, which, um, you know, isn't always the best thing. We have like, to be careful just, with it. We have it. to be careful about it. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but this was something I was spending so much time doing that I thought, you know, I really love this. And I think if I love this, other people might love this. And if people know, if, if it turns people's cranks more like it does for me, then potentially that could be a marketing tool for a theater. You know, if if I get people more interested in musical theater and how it works and where it came from, then they're more likely to come see the shows that are being produced around town, right? They're more interested in seeing it because they have a new point of view on it. Um, that's where my Pin Spot series came from. That's where uh, Musical Theater in a Minute came from. Absolutely, that's just me sharing my love of like learning and cultivating your curiosity, as I like to say. I, I love that. And I think, I think if we can all find something again, like I, you know, turning, turning your hobbies into careers or into job opportunities, it, it is, it can be a slippery slope because then we can, we feel like anything that we do can become, you know, but what I love is that you're noticing a need within the community. It's like, cause you know, I, I don't make really any money doing this, like, (laughs) you know, not at all. Like, (laughs) but I felt like there was a bit of a need in the community of like knowing who your community is. Well, you're a connector, you know, you're, you're bringing people together and you're making the world a little smaller and we need stuff like that, right? We need community events that this way. It always feels to me like an industry night when I listen to your podcast, you know, it's like uh, getting to know, getting to know and, and getting to know people in a way that I wouldn't get to know them. Otherwise I don't get to sit down and have like an hour long conversation with Susie Jewell. I mean, I'm sure I could. Hi, Susie, call me, you know, but, uh, (laughs) but I get to know her in a different way because of this. And that's, Right. And service it is. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I that's how that's how I view it too. And I I really um I want this community to be a community. And yeah. you want this community to be a community as well. Like this n- seeing this kind of and like that's that's you know what you're doing is innovation, right? Mm-hmm. Like to see that like we could, you know, we could all have a greater perspective of, you know, because um, I do think we can get caught in this, like, musical theater is just this, I don't know, this industry, and everyone needs to to know how to belt, and everyone needs yeah. to do this style of music, and we, like, can start to forget kind of where where we've come from, and these, these traditions, and this, like, history. It's yeah. like, you know, it, it, I hate, I, I, uh, I don't know if I want to compare this to this, but it, I think it is important to kind of know as a community where, where we've come from, you totally. know, and, and I, I think there's some joy in that as well. Yeah. Um, that, um, and it's exciting. It's exciting to see what you're doing. And, well, and I, I think if you, I think if you love it and it's has, I don't know, I just, yeah. I think it's great. I think it's great. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Um, for your listeners who might not know, I just want to say, um, yeah. so Pinspot is, I, okay, so <laughs> this goes back a while, but I, I, you know, was writing my own shows um, for a, a time I wrote 
a handful of musicals. And then out of that kind of came this uh, cabaret series called Musical Mondays, which I think you've been to, Anna. I don't think you ever got, you didn't ever perform there, but then we got shut down and you were on my list. Anyway, the point is, so that was just, that that really started as like a uh, a showcase of talent from around town. And I always remember thinking like, yeah, this is a cabaret and this is a, this is a showcase. This is a way for us all to, you know, see what talent is out there. But what it really morphed into in a lovely way that I didn't anticipate was, oh, this is actually just like a community event. Like this is the whole community getting together and getting to know each other. And I actually have two friends who met at Musical Mondays and are now getting married. So like, that's lovely, you know, stuff like that. So so I always wanted it to be that, and I always wanted to sort of grow community with that. And my friend Sheena Jansen Kelly, who was my co-host for many years, um, that was really her main focus about it. I, I kind of think I sort of had my head stuck in the like, this is about getting people out there and showing off what the talent is in town and promoting everything that's going on. And she was all about like, I want this to be, a, I want to be a connector. I want to be a, make the world a little smaller, you know? And so out of all of that, out of curating that show for seven and a half years, came this really like this wealth of knowledge to me just from having lived in this like musical theater world every month and watching people choose material and interpret material and talk about shows and all of that stuff. I just got, you know, the research of all of that and like coming up with a theme um, was always really fun for me. And then I learned about shows I didn't know about and learned a little bit of history that I hadn't known before. And so, um, so then I pitched this idea to um, Theater Latte Da about uh, a cabaret series that also sort of functions as a TED talk about a show that they're doing in their season and how might this enhance your audience's understanding of the form and the show that they're about to see and um you know get them excited for the rest of your kind of offerings and so they picked up on that idea they thought it was cool luckily my friend Alyssa Adams is there and she's a dramaturg too so she like took this idea and said yes and um so it started in 2019 and uh the first one I got to do was Chicago so like I got a couple singers and one of them sang the song the Sophie Tucker song that uh inspired when you're good to mama, which is um, Matron Mama Morton's song in the show. And then I got one of the songs that was cut from the show in Broadway previews called um, 10% and had my friend sing that. And we talked about how shows, you know, develop and and gain material and lose characters and whatever. And, um, and it was really cool. And so then I had like visual aids and I had clips from the original silent movie from the twenties and the forties movies, uh, movie called Roxy Hart with Ginger Rogers, which is ridiculous. And people got really into it. Now, the kind of people who come to a Monday night hour long lecture about the musical Chicago are, you know, a very specific subset of people. But I think, you know, uh, there's an audience, again, there's an audience for stuff like that. And luckily, Latida thinks so too, because they want me back going forward. So I'm going to be there again, um, going forward. And I'm in talks with a couple other theaters in town to do material like what that is, uh, events like that to get people excited about the shows that are coming up in their season or, um, you know, what, what, how, you know, how to engage with the material a little bit more. I think people who saw that lecture about Chicago and then went and saw the show, enjoyed the show a little bit more because they 
could just connect a couple more, you know, a little, a, a few more synapses were sort of firing. And if you saw the lecture after you saw the show, then you just connected things a little bit more having seen it already, you know? Um, and listen, if I get that excited about it, I just have to believe that there's someone else who's that excited about stuff like that. I don't know. I, yeah. Well, Max, watching you get so excited is like firing me up. Like oh. that, it's like if you are passionate about something, like, and and you know, to kind of just like I feel like tie a lot of what we're like saying, you know, together is like another thing. You know, no one really talks about is is how we as artists can make our own opportunities, yeah. and I feel like, you know. Uh, maybe this is like a conspiracy theory brain like coming in, but it's like, I feel like sometimes educators and sometimes um, people of that kind of old guard don't want artists to feel maybe this empowered. But, you know, I I, I, I always come back to this. Um, my friend Helena actually is borrowing this book from me, but Jenna Fisher of The Office yes. has this fantastic book um, called, you know, something like the Actor's Guide book or like something like that. And I, I it, yeah. yeah, I uh, bought it when I was kind of in this place of like, I was down and I was like, I need to read about someone else who has been down. <laughs> I, was, I was really like in need of it. And um, she talks a lot about in that book for like two things that I feel like I took away the most from that book. One was um, uh, not stopping education when you are done at school, like Hello. continuing to take acting classes, continuing to take voice lessons, like things like that, like go and like participate in those things because like no one is ever done learning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the other, learners. that's my exactly. Sure. And the other is if you are not getting opportunities, make them for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think too often as specifically as actors, as performers, we're kind of like, well, if I don't get this job, like I'll never be able to sing this role. Or like, if I don't get this job, like, well, that sucks. And it's like, you know, going back to like you saying like you did, you know, shows in your basement when you were a kid, I did shows as I like gathered the neighborhood kids and like, yep. whether they wanted to or not, they participated in this show that I started and yeah. directed and produced, you know what I mean? Like we can go back to that. Like yeah. we can make our, and if we feel like we have an idea and our idea is good, like pitch it because yeah. it, you know, if you think it's that good, as you just said, some other person must think it's that good too. Yeah. Like you can't be the only person who had like, who's like, I have a good idea. And like, but no one else is going to think it's good. It's like, well, you think it's good. And if yeah. you believe in something, pitch it and then follow through. I think that's another thing. Follow through yeah. with your ideas, please. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many, right. There's so many barriers to that for sure. I mean, there's barriers of access, there's barriers of time, right. there's barriers of, of money and, and that's real. And I always, you know, I always acknowledge that like, I could only take the time to write those shows that I wrote or do musical Mondays or come up with us all, all this other stuff because I was working and I, you know, in Michelle Hensley's wor words, I came from at least a cushion of wealth, right? That like, you know, I I I worked my ass off as uh, as a young person, especially, and now am hustling all the time. But I can't pretend that you know my parents couldn't like 
help me get through college. And like, at no point was I ever like, I'm facing homelessness if I don't do this, or like, I might lose right. my insurance. That was never a thing for me. So, so I also acknowledge that because it's not just as simple as like, make opportunities for yourself. You know, I've, I've gotten in trouble yeah. for saying that before in a way, because it's not as simple as just saying, make opportunities for yourself. But, uh, but to your point, I do think that if you think it's a good idea, someone else will too. And especially if it, if it serves a need or it fills a void, if it's just self-serving, if it's your own thing that is not going to benefit anyone except you, that's a different thing. But that's why Musical Mondays stayed around for so long because people saw the value in, oh, this is a community thing. Like we're, we're getting to know each other. We're, we're, um, we're connecting, we're making the world a little smaller. I'm seeing, you know, I, it, it really was never a thing where casting directors came looking for talent. It never became that, which I was really glad for. But there were times that there was someone in the audience who was about to cast something or had a job that needed, that they needed someone for, and they found someone there, you know? So you just, so it became something like that. And I think the more community building stuff we can make from, you know, that's what's great about our our community, I think, is it not everyone's just in it for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because, because, you know, the Twin Cities is easier to live in than say New York, right? Like there, it's just really you got to be able to pay your bills. And there's not right. enough hours in the day to be able to make a passion project like this necessarily, unless you, mm -hmm. again, like have resources and have time. But here, um, you know, not everybody has that, but it's easier to find a way into that. And I think there's a community and an audience for for series and for things like that, you know. Right, right. And you're, you know, you're so right about the like access and um um things like as a lawnmower. I don't know if you can hear it, but there's oh, a lawnmower I can't. that just uh, okay, good. Okay, good. No, <laughs> Jesus, probably it. the recording doesn't hear it, but uh, I was like, oh great. Um anyway, um you're so right about like access and 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 things like that. And what what's exciting, you know, because I that that really starts um at you know a very young age like realizing you don't have money to participate in programming you don't have um the resources you know so all of that like starts at the, a really young age and what i'm i'm getting excited about is i'm seeing because i i work with some companies doing like high school programming as well and what i'm mm. there's this trend that i'm starting to see of like pay as you can programming yeah and or just free programming um at, at the start, um, because um, theater and being an artist, you know, I, I had Chris Ann Weiss, who's another fantastic opera singer, um, fantastic singer, not just opera, she's a fantastic singer, um, mm -hmm. on um, the show. And she said something, you know, like uh, someone sat down and did the math and it like costs like a million dollars to be able to like make it as an opera singer because of like all of the things. And it's like, that's just not that's not real. Like we just can't live in a place like that anymore. And so like, you know, hopefully community building and like pooling resources and like things like that. And like, I'm really inspired by um, Sienna Forrest and Tina Christensen who have started Oops MN. Um, I've had them talk about it on the podcast, but it's, it's an organization that like, it basically gets funds for artists who want to do opera oriented projects. So it's an opera oriented project sponsorship. So if oh. you have an idea, if you have an idea that is like opera oriented and you're like, I want to, I want to do this, 
you can apply and they will give you funding. And it's like, again, like these barriers of like access are be starting to like get broken down, which is really exciting. And so it's like, we're hopefully going to be at a place someday where someone can say, I have this really good idea. And like the, the idea of accessibility is no longer a huge barrier for like following an idea that you have. Um, that's my, that's my hope for our utopian future. (laughs) I love that. Well, yeah, I think we're, we're doing better. I think, um, now than we were 10, 20 years ago, just identifying what the barriers are again, like, I keep bringing it back to Michelle Hensley because she is a sage, wise woman who ran 10,000 things for 30 years. Mm-hmm. But she was someone who, if you ever get a chance to read her book, by the way, All the Lights On, it's a fantastic book for theater makers. Um, she really talks about um, why she created 10,000 things the way she did and what need she saw for, and and the, the um, aspects of theater she had identified that made it inaccessible to m- lots of people. And and made it perfectly accessible to people who have transportation, know how to drive around downtown, know, feel comfortable walking into a building the size of some of these buildings that are big and gorgeous, right? Um, who who feel like they know how, how you're meant to be in a theater and when it's appropriate to clap or laugh or whatever. Um, all of those barriers that we don't even think about, right? Um, and it's, so accessibility is not just about, you know, is it, is there a wheelchair ramp? Is there um, is there a credit card machine? Is there an ATM? You know, is there a X, Y, and Z? It's also about just welcoming. How do we welcome in everybody? And how do we program so that everybody feels like they can be on the same page? You know, um, having performed with ten thousand things a couple times, you know, there's nothing that can prepare you for going and performing the Good Person of Sichuan in a men's prison for an audience of of folks who, um, you know, are there from all walks of life and see the story through their own perspectives that I just don't have any way of knowing how they're mm-hmm. seeing it. And it's inc- it's incredible. I don't know, I think about that all the time, but that's all to say yes to accessibility, yes to making our community smaller, yes to making opportunities. I think that's hugely important too. And as we get further and further in our um, in our artistry and in, in our careers, I think it falls to us to, you know, people made opportunities for me when I was starting out. And now I want to help people who are just starting out now, because guess what? They're going to also grow up and run a theater company and I want them to hire me because I helped them. No, I'm just kidding. But that's true. That's the truth of it. That's how the world works is, you know, what goes around comes around. And we got, yeah, we got to like help, like, again, that idea of like paying your dues has that really like negative connotation of like, well, I had a lot of barriers to, to get over, to get to where I am. And you have to have the equal, like equal amount of barriers, if not more, because I had to suffer and now you have to suffer too. And it's like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Why can't we have it so that you suffered and you realize that that's awful? So you stop this cycle. Like I don't understand. Stop the cycle. It's like I just don't. I don't okay. understand. I get. The, yeah, the pay your due thing. You know, it's not that I. I, I certainly don't want anyone to suffer. But it's. But. Let me just be clear about that. I don't want anyone to suffer. Um, if you've been sitting listening to me talk in this podcast, you've been suffering enough as it is. But the uh-huh. point is, you um, you know, we all, 
I, I, the pay your dues thing, we all need to have those, those formative experiences as artists that, you know, we're just starting out and we're figuring out and, and it's not that I want them to be negative, but there's some things you can only learn by doing. I, I almost said you can only learn the hard way. That's not true. We, we should never put ourselves in a position of, you know, danger or anything, certainly. And I hope that people don't feel like they have to do that in order to pay their bills or whatever. We know that that's been the case and that's why suffering goes on in our community um, and why it's, you know, there's been cycles of abuse and there's been cycles of harm that we're trying to disrupt. But, um, but I do think like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do a show that like maybe doesn't pay a whole lot so that you can have the experience of what it feels to what it feels like to um not be undervalued but to to do the good work despite not being paid super well or or figuring out that like compensation comes in many forms right i'm not making a great paycheck on this show but boy i'm meeting a lot of really great people and i'm making connections and i'm getting exposure we're not being paid an exposure girl but uh, cause I hate that too. I hate that. Um, but you know, com I keep saying compensation comes in many forms. And so I may not have made a ton of money on this show, but I made these friendships and I made these connections. And next time I go into this audition, they'll know me from having seen me in that thing, or the director told them that I was great to work with or what have you, you know, that I think that is what I mean by pay your dues. Right. And I talk to a lot of, yeah, I talk to a lot of my students about that kind of stuff too, of like the pros and like, there are no, cause like I'll have students kind of come to me and be like, you know, what should I do about this decision? Um, and I tell them like, I can't, I can't make this for you. Like as much as I like want to be a mentor and like a teacher and like all of that stuff to you, like these are, these are the toughest. I'm like it, for a professional, this decision isn't easy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like th these decisions will come in your lifetime and you, you have to make it and then you have to um, live with it, which sounds harsh, you know, yeah. the, you know, these decisions, again, they shouldn't ever be like life-threatening decisions, but I'm saying no. like a decision between working with a company that you've worked for before or a decision of working for a new company, like, you know, it, it, as mundane as like that kind of feels, you know, but it, it's, it's, you kind of have to go with your gut. Like, I can't make yeah. that decision for you. It depends yeah. on, it depends on so many factors. Right. And, um, those are those kind of things where, yeah, they're not paying your dues, but you're just, you have, you, the, these are lessons you learn by doing, you yeah. know, and, you know, you can only know that you never want to work for this one company again, if you've maybe done a show and you realize this isn't a space I want to be in, you right. know, and sometimes it takes doing to, to learn. <laughs> right. And yes. And it takes the doing of going to a bunch of auditions and getting rejected and, you know, maybe spending a lot of time in the ensemble rather than playing leads or working at this small theater for pennies rather than like the biggest, fanciest, sparkliest theater in town. Right. Um, you know, you build that up and regard if you, if you can find a way to be your best self and do your best work and at least be the best person that you can be when you're not being compensated as well as you'd like to be, or when you're not playing the part that you wish you were playing, then that just engenders, you know, a good under good feeling about you throughout the community, you know, and a good, a good like you say, a good reputation goes so, so far. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, I think that's absolutely true. I think once you break into a place, 
it's so much easier to come back to that place because they know you, right? Yeah. Um, and it's so much easier because you don't have to prove that you're a good person to work with because they know that already. Mm -hmm. So now it's just about, can you prove that you're right for this particular role or this particular show, what have you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Oh, I could talk about this stuff all day long. Honestly, true. I know. <laughs> I know. God, it just like, I know it gets my, I'm, my face is hot. It just gets me I know. <laughs> I know. I like, feel like I've like had, um, like cold brew or something. Like I'm like, yeah. I'm like fired up. I'm like, I could keep mm -hmm. going. I could keep going. I want to, I, I want to talk faster and faster. Coffee. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Me too. Me too. This is how I am on only one cup of coffee. I imagine me on two or three. Yikes. <laughs> Glad we did this in the morning. <laughs> So what do you do to keep your face so luminous and beautiful? You are, okay, first of all, you are sweet to say so because truly like I, for a long time, I did nothing. Um, thank you for prepping me for this question because um, <laughs> so, so um, I, the short answer is I, um, and listen, if there's anyone out there who can help me, <laughs> do the right thing probably you because you spend more time thinking about skincare than a lot of people do. tell me if i'm doing this wrong i have no illusions about listen i i am very interested in just like accepting having been wrong about something and moving forward so if this is wrong you can tell me um i okay so i wash my face in the shower like every other day probably with like just a really simple exfoliant and then in the morning, I have a little bit of moisturizer that has some SPF in it because Jonathan Van Ness told me to put on sunscreen. And then I also moisturize, like just put something on my face right before I go to bed. And that's- I love that. That's I love that. I, I do a little exfoliant and a little moisturizer. That's it. I think I always say that like the best things we can do for our skin is wash it when it's dirty. <laughs> like when we've had makeup on, when we- like have been outside all day, you know, just like wash your face. Um, doesn't have to be with like anything super expensive, you know, whatever, wash your yeah. face, put on sunscreen and moisturize. Those I'm are like all of those things. Anna. You, you have checked all of the essential boxes. Now, I'm if you want to be fancy, if you want to do a face mask every once in a while, like those like feel good. Like for me, yeah. that's like self care kind of mm -hmm. thing. Yes. Um, and I look at all skincare as like self care more so than like feeling like I need to look younger or I need to yeah. be more beautiful. Like for me, it's just simply because like, it feels good to like, it just feels good to take care of myself in that way. Yeah. So but I like, so, go ahead. I was just going to say, but like, you don't need to do those fancy things. Like I think SPF is really the number one thing we all need. And like, you know, people are like, why, you know, oh, you look so young, blah, blah, blah. And not to me, but like to humans, like, oh, you look so young. Most of the time, those people have been wearing sunscreen. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's why they look young. <laughs> yes. Listen, I'm a cancer survivor and I do not intend on having it again. So sunscreen me up. It is real. Yes. Um, my husband was, um, when we got together, I was like, well, first of all, he is a little older than me, um, but he looks much younger. And most times people think I'm, you know, 50 and he's 28. No, that's not true. But they but they think I'm the older one, partially because I didn't always take care of my skin the same way he does. And he did because he was on, he was a TV news anchor for many years. Um, so he literally like kind of had to just to look right on like the harsh glare of a TV camera, right? And so he continues to do that. And he has like, you know, this beautiful like, set of rodent and fields like 
you know, skincare set and there's a whole like regimen that he does. And he won't mind me telling you this because I don't know, he likes me, but probably won't even listen to this. So hi, Alan, if you're listening. Uh, but the <laughs> point is, he, he, he takes care of it a lot. And I always thought, oh, I'm just like washing my face and moisturizing, whatever, kind of that, whenever I think to. But now I've gotten into a routine of like, it's part of my morning thing to put on a little sunscreen. It's part of my evening thing to put on a little, and we have some, uh, some face masks in the drawer that, you know, every once in a while when I feel a little, you know, pusty, I put on a little mud, a little mud, something, a little paper. Yeah. something. And yeah, you're right. That feels good. It feels nice. Right. It should just be about like taking care of yourself. And it's like, yeah. you know, everyone takes care of themselves in like different ways for me. Like I really like spending time on this one thing. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? And amazing. it's like, yeah, it. it's like, you know, I'm not going to yuck your yum. Don't yuck my yum. Right. Like, hello. All right? I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, everyone has different ways of like how they want to spend their petty cash. And like, for me, it's like, you know, part of that goes to like a skincare regimen that I really like, but you know, skincare should be something that we look at as like self-care more so than anything else. Um, because just like everything else about our bodies, our voices, our faces, all of those things, genes play an incredibly important role. So it's like, if you just don't have the genes for good skin, no matter how much, you know, skincare you do, it's just, it's going to be a constant thing in your life. Right. Yeah. And like, it's not fair, but that's life, you know, that's it's like, it, it you know, and so it's like, you know, I, I sit here and I talk a lot about skincare and all of that stuff. And I, I, I luckily do have some good genes, you know, I'm blessed okay. that I'm half Asian. <laughs> 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 That's part of it. You know what I mean? But like, like at the end of the day, you know, we have to like, we have to love ourselves. We have to love the skin the that we're in. Yep. We have to love, yeah. you know, because we, at the end of the day, we come home to ourselves and if we, got, we don't, and if you, you know, and like if you can have we a party, love, you're yeah. throwing a party and if people want to come cool. And if it's just me, listen, I'm fun. I like being a party by myself and that's cool. I, I had a little party people. of one last night and it was fantastic. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I was the watching best kind of way. And you watch something good. You, yep. you put on a face mask, you hydrate. Yes. All of it. It was fabulous. So that's yeah. Real. That's but real. if anyone else wanted to come over, I would have welcomed that as well. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> but that's real. So, you know, I self-care, like the term gets a bad rap, but the truth of it is like, I tell my husband this too. I say, you know, I want to work out and exercise so that I can be stronger or look good or whatever. I, I hydrate and I do, you know, I do a skincare thing so I can, so my skin looks nice. But ultimately what I'm trying to do by doing all of that is not to like get the, um, you know, uh, instant gratification of that stuff, but it's so I can be around for a long time. You know, I, I think about this a lot with my husband, because of course I, I met him when I was 30 and we, we just celebrated three years of marriage. So hooray for us, but we want, I want to be around and I want him to be around for a long time. Cause I feel like we found each other a little later than I would have liked, but when we did, I'm like, I want lots of years with you. And so I want us to be healthy so that we can stick around. And yeah. so that we can be here for each other, you know, like that's what it's really for. That's why I'm trying to eat my vegetables and, you know, have a good skincare routine just because all of that stuff adds up, you know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 
Totally, totally, totally. I, and I think that's so beautiful too, is like, you know, we take care of ourselves for ourselves and it, but it doesn't, it also doesn't have to be like a vain thing, you know, like again, skincare and working out, they kind of get that bad rap of like, oh, you're so vain, like all of this stuff. And it's like, no, I just kind of want to, it makes me feel good. And I want to take care of myself. Like that's not vain. That's just, I want to take care of myself. (laughs) Like, Yeah. It'd be one thing if it was like, if, if it was hurting somebody else or if it was depriving someone else of something and that's how right. you, you know, whatever, but like skincare, especially if it's like, you know, responsibly sourced and it's, mm-hmm. you know, not going to poison the environment. Like great. <laughs> you know Exactly. That's we key. love it. That's key. We love, we love companies like Romeo Apothecary. Okay. She's local and you can get 10% off by using my code. Oh, um, I was going to say, where's 10. the promo here? Let's yeah. go. Okay. Thank you. Places 10. So uh, <laughs> you can get some discounts, but she is truly amazing and um her name is Romina and she like forages for like all of the things that she uses in her skincare line like and they all smell fantastic and she's incredible so if anyone is listening and interested you can use my discount code it's in the show notes if you you know missed it thank you places 10 but um yeah she's fantastic. So locally, we love locally sourced and we love, yeah, it's not hurting the environment, not hurting anyone else. We love love it. We love Mm -hmm. that. We stand that. Stan, is that still a thing? Are we over saying that? I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I've never used it because I don't really get how to use it. That was the first time. Why would I choose this moment to use that term for the first time? Oh God, this was going so well. And on that note, Max, where can people find you? I am on social media media i uh let's see twitter and instagram my handle is max what time is it because it's easier to spell than my last name um max Watanowitz on facebook uh i'm on youtube i'm on a geiger counter a fax machine i don't know what else um those are kind of the main ones facebook twitter instagram youtube and maxwatanowitz.com is my website there we go. I took a look at your website before we hopped on, oh. and um, oh, you're the you're the you're who bumped the traffic up on my website. <laughs> the, the one, yeah, good. <laughs> no, and it's it's a really well laid out. You get everything. You get everything there. It's great. It's you know having a nice well. That's something we could talk about for hours too. It's oh, like yeah. having you know a nice website. It's it's oh. a one stop shop. It's nice. I, listen, you do an episode about that, and I will listen because I'm in for an upgrade. <laughs> No, yours looks great. Yours, oh, I mean, no, like, you. what is my, I have no qualifications other than I look at websites. Sure, <laughs> like that's a qualification. Looks great. <laughs> as long as it's legible and mm-hmm. it looks like me, then I guess that's as much as I can hope for. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, fabulous. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me. This was so much fun just to chat. Oh, it's so great to chat with you, Anna. Thank you yeah. for having me. Yay. Hey. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, you can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Thank You Places Pod. I'm on Facebook. If you just search Thank You Places Pod, I'll pop up and you can give me a like and a follow there. If you want to shoot me an email or if you're interested in coming on the show, my email is thankyouplacespod at gmail.com. If you'd like to show a little extra support, you can become a Patreon member. That's patreon.com slash thankyouplacespod. Membership starts at $1 a month. Finally, you can find all episodes of Thank You Places on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. That means the world to me. I'll be back next week with another episode. Have a great week and places, everyone.